you, you don't know if he will take you to the 70% at least, it's fine. I, I agree. And I think it will take us further than that. Uh, me and uh, me and Blue, we both drive Teslas. We have full self. Me too. Oh, you too. So I, I know it's a lot of 3D printed that is drive Teslas. And then oh, you cannot be a digital dentist if you don't have a Tesla. You hear that? You cannot be a digital dentist if you don't have a Tesla. That's a prerequisite. It's a requirement. Is that what it is? Right. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell all the new grad dentists that now is uh, or dentists that are analog right now. So you buy an internal scanner, you buy a 3D printer, but before that, you need to buy a Tesla first. <laughs> so you'll understand if I don't know. Today's episode of the Dentist Friends Podcast is brought to you by me at photodontist.com. We make the VPR the only dentist-designed, dentist-manufactured device that makes photography both easy and fun for your team and staff alike. Let's face it, the SLR that you bought is collecting dust because it's too heavy, it's too clunky, and they don't like using it. Make photography fun again. You know you need photography in your office for case acceptance, for documentation, for lab communication, and just for plain old CYA. Find out what hundreds of dentists literally all over the world have already found out that the VPR is one of the best tools for photography, either day-to-day or even sometimes your portfolio cases. Visit photodontist.com, use promo code DENTISTFRIENDS10 to take 10% off for listening to the Dentist Friends podcast. Now back to our program. I'm Dr. Steven Shao here with uh, Unicom Design. We have Dr. Boulay and Dr. Christian here. Thank you. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm Christian Brennis, and I'm a prosthodontist. I am in the uh, at the medical school, Medical University of South Carolina, MUSA. I've been there for a couple of years. I joined there because I'm the uh, program director of uh, the first master program in digital dentistry. I wish we had one of those back when I was in well, school age. I, I believe it's actually pretty rare for dental school in America today to actually have a digital dentistry director or to even teach about dental 3D printing. It is very difficult, man, because the people that actually get trained and the people that actually have a lot of passion for it are usually private practitioners. The people that are in academia, for the most part, are people that are very stuck with very old concepts, for the most part, you know. There is a lot of bureaucracy as well, so obviously you need to have everybody on board as far as Maybe not approving what you're doing, but at least supporting your vision in the the future of dentistry because everything keeps evolving, especially technology. So it's, it's hard to sort of follow the evolution of technology at the speed uh, that is right now in trying to adapt that technology to the curriculum with the students, with residents. It's pretty hard, you know. I think now is different, or at least my approach is a little bit different because, um, you know, I'm all about critical thinking. So what I try to do is to tell my students, my residents, hey, don't believe anything that I say, anything. Just try to go ahead and figure it out by yourself, read articles, read books, listen to what I say, and then just compile all that information to try to develop your own way of thinking because at the end of the day, especially if you guys that are in private practice, what you have to do is to solve situations every day. And every single situation with patients is different, right? That's true. So That's very true. You know, I think that's, uh, at least that's what I believe in. I, I like that approach to basically say, don't trust anything you hear. Do the due diligence and find out on your own. Because technically, that's what our license requires us to do, right? Absolutely. So when we talk about, uh, for example, like composite safety, when we're talking about material science, you can read the manufacturer uh, market and you can just say, well, this is good enough for me, but actually 
we're the ones that have to do the research. We're the ones that have to find the truth and the facts and to make that decision. And listen, that's just from the educational perspective, but what about our continuum education courses? You know, right now it's full of marketing and people go to these places because, you know, there is somebody that has a big name and they basically believe almost uh, everything that they say. But sometimes there is um, conflict of interest behind it. So it's always it's always good to just have this perspective of like, hey, let's just get all the information together and try to dig deeper into what's the possibly possibly the truth behind it. I, I agree with you. And I think I, I have always said this. I said I would love to promote something uh, because it's good, not because I say it's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I want the thing to be great so I can tell people it's great. Yeah. yeah, we're just talking about it, and uh, I think it's extremely important to also when when you're trying to push forward an industry like this, like 3D printing, to have everybody on board. Like right now, the market is so small. Where we're talking about four percent of people adopting 3D printing. Yeah, you know, can you imagine that? It's just unbelievable, and that's just in the United States. That's right. Imagine worldwide. So it's ridiculous. We we're the we are the market leader in since in terms of dental technology adaptation. If it's less than four percent in America, imagine how big the market is worldwide. And we have all experienced the advancement, the innovation, and how efficient the system works. So I feel like it's a very exciting time. We know what's coming. It's almost as if we can we can see the future. It's inevitable. Yeah. And I, I'm very I'm very excited for all the dentists out there that are not 3D printing right now because I know as soon as they step into this, it's going to change their world. Yeah, I'm excited too, man. I remember the first time that I was 3D printing, I felt that excitement of like just looking at the machine and I was like, man, I cannot believe I can just get a, a solid object out of this liquid stuff. Right. It's unbelievable. It's a nice feeling. It, so, you know, the the interesting thing is that I feel the, I feel the clinician or the dentist that love 3D printing our first initial reaction upon seeing a dental 3D printer is always, ooh, I wonder what I can make with this. We're not thinking, <laughs> oh, now I can print a, you know, a denture. Now I can print a liner or I can print a dental model. We're thinking about something else that we like, that we want to print, yeah. that um, maybe something that we have always wanted to make in life for entertainment, for family, you know, for anniversaries and such. Prototyping for a lot of people. Exactly. Like this guy right here. That's right. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rapid prototyping, engineering. So I, I do a lot of that too. I print a lot of fun stuff for my kids, for their school projects and all that. That's a fun stuff. And then so when we bring it back into dentistry, people think, wow, you 3D print a lot of dental stuff. It's sort of like I 3D print a lot of stuff. And because I'm a dentist, so inevitably I started printing dental things too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I was, I was speaking to Vu and some other dentists the other day about this. There are no textbooks on dental 3D printing. And the reason why there are no textbooks is because the technology is evolving so fast. By the time you send your book out to the publisher for the first edition, the new tech has already come out. Yep. And your data is already outdated. And the perspective and the limitation uh, that the research they have done is no longer relevant. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time, people actually learn uh, through Facebook, social media, Instagram, and YouTube. I know I've seen a few of your videos and early on, Early on, back in 2017, 2018, you know, you, Dr. Uh, Dr. Alves Oliveira, uh, you know, Dr. Barron. Uh, oh, Barron. I watch all your videos, and that's why it really got me into uh, dental 3D printing. Because prior to that, well, I, this, the funny story is that the first six months, I actually bought the Spirit Moonray. Or the first three months, I didn't print anything dental related. <laughs> I had Hot Wheels, you know, I had toys, I printed rockets, name tags, business holder. 
And I remember Spray uh, Revs, uh, Spray President Amir always asked me, "Hey, have you printed our splint? Have you done some dental models?" I know I've only been using it for fun all these months, and it's awesome. When did you start in 3D printing? I started 3D printing it in 2017. So okay. a good friend of mine told me as early as 2012 I should look into it. It was an emerging, uh, it was an emerging technology. I always like to make things. So I'll make, you know, like origamis. I make clays. I like to make model. I like drawing. I like music, creative things. Everywhere she told me, hey, you should really look into the, uh, 3D printing because I think you'll really like it. So that was always resonated on the back of my mind. So uh, in 2017, I found out about Sphere Ray from my car club, actually. So a member of the car club actually worked at Sphere Ray and he printed a little tiny toy truck. I saw that. I got in communication with him and we started chatting. At the time, I didn't know Sphere Ray was a dental company. And then he had no idea I was a dentist. Yeah. And it's sort of like the stars just aligned and I bought that machine. And we started from there. And then I met I, I met uh, Dr. Boulay, right? It was uh, it was either very early 2018 or very late 2017. And the first uh, dental CE that I took on dental 3D printing uh, was Dr. Collini, I'm an endo guy. And we met Amir at the same event and we kind of just took off from there. Yeah. In just a few years, it has been an explosion of... of technology, you know, materials, biomaterials, technology. I started back in 2014-ish, but, you know, it was almost like a hobby. And you guys were mentioning Byron and, uh, you know, Rick Ferguson, for Rick example, Ferguson. like all these yeah. guys. The cool thing for me is that it all started as a hobby. So it was, it was cool to try to, it was almost like a challenge, right? Yeah. Like you were trying to, 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 to get machines to make a surgical guide for you or even like models because I knew there was something behind it. I didn't know like where that was going, but I knew it was going to be a benefit for me. Now, in my case, it was a little bit more selfish because I was doing it for myself, right? Right. As prosthodontists, I was like, hey, if I can print surgical guides so I don't have to deal with all this crap of surgeons telling me, hey, uh, you know, I just place the implant there because the bone is there and like, you know, it's, it just makes things Not only like that, back then there were uh, implant company that was uh, that were offering surgical guys, but they're charging a ton of money. Yes. They spent four or $5,000. Surgical guy has spent all this money because they're the only one that could do it. Yeah. I remember early in our practice, we're using Nobel guy. Oh yeah. We spent all the money and we got the Nobel guy and out of the three cases that we did, two of the guys cracked as soon as you put the- That's how I stopped it. But like the question was, how can you justify that? Like how, who's gonna eat the cost? Right. It's gonna be the patient, right? Right. And what are you gonna tell your patient? Like, hey, we need to charge you for this little plastic thing. Right. It was ri just ridiculous. And then the patient will look at you like, so you don't know how to place implants? <laughs> I agree with you. But you know, the, the, those early days of data 3D printing was really hilarious. I had a slide up uh, for my last presentation. It was all the magnetic stir, the nail cure, yeah. right? All that crazy thing that we used to do. And then people watch a video and they're laughing, right? Because compared to, you know, the Spirit Pro Wash and the Pro Cure, Everything looks so slick. It's nicely designed. It's next generation. Back then, we're looking looks so terrible. But back then, when we discovered how we can use this little magnetic stir from Amazon to wash IPA, yeah, yeah. we felt so smart. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, it all oh, came out from the same group. You know, it was the same group just trying to generate ideas. That's right. Somebody would just post it in there, and then everybody will be like, "Yes, I will order mine right now." I can't tell you how many stores and how many hours I went looking for the right size Tupperware. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Like my wife was always complaining about it. 
Because she was like, where's my Tupperware? You were taking the house Tupperware? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, I would never do that. <laughs> and it, remember the, oh, how you're still married. <laughs> remember how we're, we're joking about some resident that required to be mixed all the time and we call it the hot dog roller? Yeah. So what happened was that uh, next MFA, she requires something like 10 to 11 hours of mixing. That was back in 2017 where we were doing beta testing for it. They wanted to sell me this machine for like $1,200. So I actually went on Amazon. And I found a hot dog roller and I was looking and thinking, there's a heater in there. Yeah. It turns. I bought it. It had a Coca-Cola sign on there. I took a picture. I showed it to Amira and they were just laughing about this. Yeah. I told them, why are you guys laughing? I'm serious. This could work. There's got to be a cheaper way. That's, That's right. the whole point, you know? There's got to be a cheaper way. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but it's funny that you mentioned that. It all started with that um, group and basically it was just like a challenge. Hey, let's try to do something cool here. But then all of a sudden it just became serious. And the funny thing was, as you were saying, was coming with these ideas out of ignorance, like post curing our prints with nail salon curing units. So you would think, yes, well, it's UV light, right? But we didn't know what we know now. We didn't know. Uh, I think very few people knew about it and then were kind of blessing our ignorance. Yeah. And then by the, by the same token, you know, uh, looking back today and then when we see some criticism online of some dentists who are using, you know, a uh, different type of workflow, we recommend them to use a proper uh, workflow and a safe workflow. But at the same time, I wouldn't go in there to attack them because we all did that. Yeah. Right. In the early days of the pioneering era, all of us did that. And that's what bring about true innovation. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I feel like that's part of creativity, right? And you cannot kill creativity because that's something good. But that's also the part that makes it really fun because it was all, it was about constant problem solving mm. night, day and night. And we figure things out and feel good about this. And looking back, some of, our, uh, some of the things that we did were really funny. And I mean, like, I think, right, I, I always talk about this in the, on the podcast, the great thing about life and what you really take away are great stories is a, is a story that you can still talk about 10 years later, maybe one day when 60, 70 years old, we, we can think back at that early days and have a good time <laughs> discussing it. I have a hard time hating on people who are doing things improperly or right. not validated in the sense when they're learning because, well, you have, one, we all start somewhere. But two, I love the spirit of taking something economical and trying to push the heck out of it. I absolutely agree yeah. with you. Yeah. And we would be, uh, be hypocrites if we were to criticize yeah. it because, like I said, we walk the same path and that's how we got here today. Well, I believe there is like a little balance in between what is to give constructive criticism to somebody, right? Especially in social media, we see that all day versus negativity, right? Like sometimes people focus too much on destroying everybody's opinions and not giving uh, good uh, criticism to their ideas. Maybe it's not the best idea. Well, you know, it is what it is. It's fine. But there are some different ways to say it and uh, you, don't, you don't have to. I heard this from one of my mentors and he used to say, there is only two ways that you can become the best in what you do. And one is to actually, literally, just become the best. And the other one is some people think that is by tearing everybody up. See? You know, it's a different perspective, a different approach. So I, I my take today is sort of, what if we don't need to be the best? We just need to be in the right group of people that are moving upwards together. Right. Right. Advancing dentistry together. And it feels good to be a part of something like that. And, you know, here at D3X in Los Angeles today, to be with a group of like all the great dentists out there. And then we feel like, hey, we have arrived somewhere great. 
Yeah. Like each and every one of us is really good at something, but together as a whole, we might be the best group there is uh, that's pushing, you know, 3D printing and dental technology forward. Um, it's about the community, I think, you know, it's about the profession. We were talking about this in Dom. We said, well, sometimes when we mentioned back in the days, the revolution of 3D printing, some companies think that they're like truly revolutionizing everything with one single material and stuff like that. But like at the end of the day, it's like the whole community the whole community of dentists that is creating this revolution right in terms of what they can provide to their patients workflows it's a it's a really really nice time uh to be a dentist right now i, I agree it's a, it's a very exciting time and again it's a it'll be a great story to tell right after we retire one day we meet up we sit down and say do you remember right look at the world today and how everyone is 3d printing Back then, in the hairy, imagine it. Those guys, they washed prints with alcohol. Right, 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 right. And they printed things. Now we just let them materialize out of thin air. So I think they actually has to, uh, they had to press print and they have to wait for it to be made. Oh my God, there was a lack. Someone had to design the teeth. Can you imagine? Yeah. Right. The same goes with the uh, uh, self-driving cars, right? Right. It, it, you know, it's funny. It's sort of like trying to explain to my nine and 10 year old what a CD player is and what it actually. Oh, they don't understand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They don't understand. Yeah. But it's, it's going to be exciting, especially now with um, artificial intelligence and everybody that uh, that is trying to work on workflows that will incorporate digital technologies, artificial intelligence, and, you know, m manufacturing processes like for the printing, everything combined will be pretty big in the next couple of years. I agree. And and Christian, I wanted to ask you, from an educator perspective, you're one of the very few dental schools in America that actually have a full 3D printing and 3D workflow program. How do you think we can advance the field of dentistry in terms of dental education and make sure that every dental school in America actually has a program dedicated to teach 3D design and 3D printing? It's all about the people, man. It's all about the people having the right mindset. Um, I believe that... Um, we're going through a generational change, if you will, in the people from the top to the bottom, you know, from the dean, from the president of the university, they have to embrace innovation and technology. That's one of the good things about MUSC because um, this is one of their main pillars in their mission to push innovation forward. So part of that innovation, you know, if you're trying to push innovation, obviously you have to support digital dentistry and you have to support some more industries as well, right? So it, it goes with the vision. Right. You have to do what is right for the, for, for, for the um, entire university as a whole. They have to change that mentality. They have to evolve. They have to open the, their mind in order to start embracing these concepts. Now, what is difficult is the logistics, right? How can you incorporate this into the curriculum in a really nice way? Sometimes we know it's not about the horse. You can have the best horse, but if you don't have a good jockey, you're screwed, right? Right. Same thing applies here. So you can have the better, the best technology ever, the best milling machines, the best 3D printers. But if, if the people that are teaching the students, they don't really know how to use it properly. Yeah. That's a problem, right? It is. So there are some um, things that we have implemented. And to be completely honest, it's also... I will say it's a learning process for us too. Like we don't have everything figured out. That that's the thing about uh, about dental technology and three D printing in general is that there is no roadmap to follow, right? We we are actually exploring something completely new. We can't follow footstep of someone. We can read instruction in a manual and figure out how to get there. Yeah, it's sort of like we have this 
we have this feeling, we have this faith that yeah. this is going to work. We don't know exactly how we're going to do it, but we need to get there. The hardest part, as you said, is, well, how do we get everyone else to see that vision? Yeah. It's almost like being an entrepreneur. Sometimes, you know, it's not about the, uh, it's not about the idea, it's about the execution. You can have the idea, the perfect idea, but you have to execute. You have to start somewhere. I, I think that's a, that's a perfect word to use. That's being entrepreneurial, right? And too often we see in dentistry that we have dentists go out there, uh, open a private practice, but they continue to identify themselves as, well, I'm a dentist, right? I'm a, uh, I'm a dental service provider. So, sort of like, it's true, but you're also an entrepreneur. Yep. If you're also a business owner, you're also a business manager. Absolutely. They need to be good at all of these. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, once that is embraced, that's a concept. That once people open their mind and say, well, this is the future, it's inevitable. We have to push this forward. Let's start somewhere. Let's start with scanners. Let's just buy a couple of them, you know, and let's have the students use them. Can we integrate maybe 3D printing? You don't have to start with, you know, 100% 3D printed models for everybody, but you can start with a small group of students. You know, you can start with a small group and that group can expand and expand and expand to the point that everything is going to be considered a normal protocol for it. And, and if you started with a small elective group and it grows in reputation and cachet, becomes demanded enough, it starts then the faculty and even the people opposing it. Because let's, let's face it, campus politics is real. Campus curriculums are very crowded and underfunded and understaffed. So you have to make it compelling enough that even resistant people have to take it. I mean, you may not like zirconia or how it looks, cannot ignore it anymore yeah. in ministry. Yeah. 3D printing isn't quite at the place where we can't ignore it yet, but that time's coming very soon. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. On the other hand, things like artificial intelligence, for example, there are a lot of resources at universities with engineers, with people that are actually doing their master's thesis in different things that are not even dental related. Right. But once you have that vision, you can start integrating all these different departments to create something big, something bigger. But, you know, you need to start somewhere. That's the whole point. I agree. And I feel like as uh, as dentists, too often we look at what we do and look at what we know and go, well, there's no way a computer can figure out how we do. There's no way a dental assistant or a design fabrication specialist can replicate what we do. And I think that's, that's actually false. Mm -hmm. A lot of the digital workflow can be outsourced. A lot of digital uh, workflow can be automated. And as we're learning with a lot of new software updates, uh, for example, like Rayward Cloud, you know, the three-shape AI crown, I don't think they'll do a perfect job. I, I think they will do a very good job and they'll put us on the right path to where we eventually want to be, which is that we want something as efficient, as fast as possible at the highest level of quality, but we're not going to get there instantly. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't have to be perfect either. So, you don't know, if it will take you to the 70% at least, it's fine. I, I agree. And I think it will take us further than that. Uh, me and uh, me and Blue, we both drive Teslas. So we have full self. Me too. Oh, you too. So, I, I know a lot of 3D printed dentists drive Teslas. And then, hope You cannot be a digital dentist if you don't have a Tesla. Like, you hear that? You cannot be a digital dentist if you don't have a Tesla. That's a prerequisite. It's a requirement. Is that what it is? Right. So, I, I'm going to I'm gonna tell all the new grad dentists that now, is, uh, or dentists that are analog right now. So, you buy an internal scanner, you buy a 3D printer, but before that, you need to buy a Tesla first. <laughs> so, you'll understand why technology. I, I, I disagree. I think they have to buy the scanner, the printer, and then once they get the profit 
by the Tesla. Tesla. So that makes that makes perfect sense. A much better order. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what about yourself? When did you start in 3D printing? 2017, same, about the same time. I started with, I actually had FDM, I think, before I had, before I had resin by a little bit. I mean, I do a fair share of dental printing, but the bulk of what I do is FDM, just lots of prototyping, small-scale production. Since it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride. We're filming on the Blu-ray BPR right now as being a life-changing technology in my office. And obviously it's been designed by Dr. Blu-ray here. So he knows the clinical requirement and he made that and engineered it all by himself. Yeah. And when I see that, I see a, I see an innovative spirit, right? Yeah. And uh, because I knew Vu back in 2017, now I also own like five Prusa uh, printers. <laughs> I do a lot of filament printing. I do a lot of engineering. But, you know, I always tell people 3D printing is not a dental technology, right? It's, it, it, it is a technology in manufacturing, right? A prototype and all that. And we're utilizing the technology into the dental field. So a lot of time when people ask, what do you think 3D printing is going to work in dentistry? Well, it has to. It has to work in every other industry that it has been implemented. Yeah. Right? 3D, does, uh, everything is CAD. Everything is CAM. So, of course, it will happen. But uh, I think it's mostly used for uh, prototyping in, you know, the industry sector yeah. for the most part. The only difference, or I guess um, the big difference is that once they prototype it, they can come up with better manufacturing ways, right? Yeah. So they can replicate one object a million times. They can make a mold. Exactly. Versus dentistry. Dentistry, what we do is very unique. Every single patient is different. That's right. So every single thing that we do is almost like a uh, it's piece prototype. Of yeah, it's bespoke. Every crown that we do is bespoke, right? That's why what Amira is saying, right? If n equals to one, r equals to g. So every I don't even know what that means. Too complicated. I know n equals one. I know what that. Yeah, it's r equal g. It's a global resource. But yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a very interesting point. But yeah, um, I I do I do agree. We're at the cusp of this revolution. In fact, it's already underway, mm -hmm. and I think. The, the general the general replies and the general feeling from the industry has changed uh, during COVID. I remember I posted uh, Keep Sarakin right before COVID, 2018, 2019, about 3D printed prosthetics, you know, nest bits and temporary crowns. People were very hesitant. And it was uh, it was a very antagonistic type of view, sort of saying like, well, 3D printing is, is a gimmick. You'll never replace mills. And then it'll probably fail. But after COVID, I feel like everyone is on the same page. Nearly every single Sarah user now agrees that 3D printing is the future. And at some point in time, it will replace mills altogether. Mm -hmm. And after the presentation yesterday about the Spiray uh, ceramic crown, I think we're, I, I don't want to say we're there, but we're a few steps closer than what we were just six months ago. I have to wonder, and I'm not old enough to know the answer to this question, but when PFMs came out, did everyone ask, but is it better than gold? Yeah, did they ask that question? Of course they did. I mean, I'm assuming, right? I'm not that old either, but... Yeah, I mean, of course they did, but what happened? The marketplace eventually decided that this quote-unquote inferior tech is... Let's face it, PFMs don't seal well. Yeah. They don't, you know, they they break more often. They don't wear against the opposing teeth as well. I can't think of any metric that PFMs are better than gold crowns, except Jeez. aesthetics and, mm -hmm. and cost. That's true. But those two parameters made it become the dominant crown through the, I'd say, 80s, 80s, 90s. Well, the same thing happened to composite, right? Yeah. From amalgam to composite. And then also, the only one that I actually experienced was the transition, well, actually the incorporation of zirconia into the mix. 
and a lot of people were opposed and there are still some people that are still opposed and it's fine you know everybody can have their own opinion but every single time that you have something that is revolutionizing a little bit the sector right. or the industry, resist. there's always resistance it's normal it's part right. of it but, the, but the, I feel like the great thing about 3D printing is that the technology is so versatile and it's so powerful it's very difficult to deny it and it's continuing to evolve very rapidly yeah. I mean you know, silicate ceramics are kind of here hitting their plateau. They're getting there. Zirconia, still some innovation left to squeeze, but it's getting a little bit farther from the end, but it's going to reach that plateau too. Right. You know, PFM done. We don't have any more innovation out of PFM, any more than ketchup. Yeah. Right. But 3D printing, my goodness, every few months. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're seeing paradigm shifts, but I feel like, I feel like that the mass adaptation from technology actually come from the industry, right? So when did everyone start scanning? Well, it was when they realized that a dental lab would charge you less money to submit a digital scan versus if you to take a previous impression and send it to them. And that problem, a lot of people were start doing that. And also something like Invisalign, they stopped taking impressions altogether. You have to send them a digital scan. And I understand that skepticism, you know, is something good, actually. I'm very skeptical by nature, too. Like every single time that somebody comes out with a new material, say, hey, this is going to change the world, it's a game changer, right? That's the new thing. It's a yeah. game changer. It's going to revolutionize. Like I'm a, spec a skeptical by nature because I think the majority of things that are created are actually not revolutionary or that, you know, not at least at the, um, at the way that people market it, right? Right. But, um, but there is an undeniable, um, you know, uh, basically an undeniable force pushing forward technology, for example, 3D printing, building machines, those things are here to stay. Maybe one better than the other one, uh, maybe not, who knows. But like scanning technology is one of them, for example, too. True. D does milling have to be replaced by 3D printing? Can they both coexist? I mean, that's a tough one, but um, I am more of the opinion, this is just myself, like, I don't like antagonistic approaches sometimes. I don't like when people are thinking about, like, hey, this got, this got to be black or white. Uh, that's that's the point, right? I'm more of a, like, symbiotic relationships. And I think that the same thing applies for biomaterials. At case selection, you know, case selection, be smart. The thing is, as dentists, sometimes we're very lazy, man. Uh, for some reason... And we're just looking for one material, one antibiotic, yes, yes, one just one of everything. Just one of everything. Just try to keep it simple. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. That's right. I agree. But with regard to the milling and the printing, I think you know uh, most of us, uh, most of us who have been in digital dentistry for a very long time, we have both mills and we have multiple printers. So for us, a question that we ask ourselves is different from what a general dentist that don't yet have a mill and a printer. And I think. What Vu was asking, it comes really comes down to this. For dentists that just graduated from school, they're analog that's trying to convert to digital that don't yet have a 3D printer and a mill. Will the 3D printer with the nanoceramic resin replace their mill? I think the short answer is yes, it will. Right? They're going to buy the 3D printer first. They're going to start printing these restorations. And the restorations are living up to their expectation. They're not going to buy the mill. Yeah. Let's let's ask you a hypothetical question because it, it's not technically true right now. Right. Well, let's say if the costs were the same, right? Would would a startup dentist buy a mill or a three D printer? What was what should they buy? So if the cost being completely the same, and you only had to buy one, 
You only could buy one initially. You could buy the second one later, but you can initially buy only one. Which would you buy first? I think then you need to ask what services does that dentist provide? Does he want to do surgical guide? Does the dentist want to do aligners? Do they want to do wax apps? If they only want equipment specifically for single unit restoration, you know, anterior crowns, veneers, then I think based on today's data that we have, they're going to go with the mill because this is proven technology as an industry standard and they're not taking any chances. But what if they lived in a city full of old people and who had lots of dentures? Yeah. They, that's a different case. They're going to buy the printer. Yeah. Right. Because you can, uh, what we, what we always say is that, oh, a 3D printing technology costs one-tenth or less than one-tenth as much as a milling technology. What we don't realize is that a 3D printer probably has a hundred times the capability as a milling machine, right? When was the last time you printed a nonsense toy or a keychain or something for your kid's birthday from your MCXL? We can't. I tried. <laughs> I don't care. Emacs block costs, you know, $40. I try to print uh, mill toys. You can't do it. There's a photo on Dental Town, an old one. Someone's someone's handle and it's a it's a mc it's an emacs block with texas carved out of it and i'm thinking myself, how did they do that right it'd be trivial now with the 3d printer but how did they program that Ceric system to mill out the state of texas what do you remember that Ceric block that i 3d printed was a crown that was embedded in the middle and it just yeah. uh, it just painted the stem silver and it showed yeah. it to the people and they had no idea how it was done they go <laughs> Well, so you printed the block and then you milled it out. I was like, no, the entire thing is 3D printed. And the reason why I did that was people were asking whether or not you can 3D print serif blocks. And I was uh, I was trying to tell them, why would you print the block? You would just print the restoration of that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the argument for that is, currently, is that if you mill a pre-polymerized or fired material, you can polish it and deliver it and be done Actually, in 10 or 15 minutes. Yes, currently five to ten minutes to print possibly 20 depending on what system you have and then there's going to be at least two to ten minutes to wash it and then you got to post cure it i never thought about that that's a great point yeah so i mean i mean a 10 minute print time sounds really sexy but you have to think of the baggage in between same with an emacs mill that's right i've done enough emacs to know an emacs crown never takes 10 minutes nope Realistically, the milling time takes 15. Realistically, my assistant at her state of skill today takes about 10 minutes to polish it. Realistically, the oven takes 10 minutes, but there's also support addition. You have to make support material and you have to let it cool and then you have to clean it off and then you have to... So that's a, that's a really interesting point that you brought up because I remember when the prime print and the prime mill came out and the server was telling, oh, the thing was scanned twice as fast. It will mill twice as fast as the MCXL and that's why you should pay us $150,000 for the... And I told, and the question I asked him was, how long does it take for a general dentist, right, with Omnicam and with an MCXL in lab to actually do a Emacs case? And let's say on average, let's say it's two hours. We take our time and we make sure everything is right. Yeah. So now if this same dentist were to upgrade their entire system to the prime mill and the prime scan, now how long is it going to take them to finish this case? One hour and 53 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But then the the cell so is like, well, it's t twice as fast. So technically, instead of two hours, you should be able to get everything done in one hour. One no, part of one is hour is fifty-five minutes, or one hour and fifty-five minutes. We have to always weigh that, you know. And anytime, some, anytime someone gives you a claim, remember there are very no offense. I have many friends in marketing. We've met some new ones this week. They're great people, yeah. but they are their they're job. They're doing their job. They do. They are product advocates. Their job is to present to put the best foot forward for their for their product. 
sometimes they do that honorably. Sometimes they bend things a little but, bit. But here's the thing, though. But we are dental professionals, right? It takes a certain level of skills and intelligence to get into dental school. It is our due diligence and our obligation to analyze the data we've been given and then make that decision. It goes back to critical thinking, right? Right. We've done thinking. Thinking is still key. But we, the, the problem, though, in this digital era now, when I was out of school and we were looking at bonding agents, these bonding agents had been on the market for 10 years. The studies were there because the materials had long product cycles. So you had the opportunity to pull together funds, study long-term, and get good quality, randomized, long-term data, right? You no longer have the product cycles where that is practical. Yeah, yeah. You should have all the data, but some, unfortunately, we're not going to have as good data going forward in this current economic By the time that you have the data, the material is already relevant, and there is already version 2 and 3. Right. So it's, it's, it's hard to keep up with the changes, you know. I agree. At the same time, you know, it is what it is. So we have to learn how to deal with it, you know, just part of the evolution, I think. Back to your question, I will rather incorporate for the printing. <laughs> Based on what I do, you know, I think it has more versatility in terms of the things that I can do. And more potential. I, more potential, uh, you know, more return of investment, if you will. And also, um, you know, at some point, the, the, here's the other thing. Like, a lot of people think that by starting incorporating all these technologies, you have to forget about your technicians. You have to forget about the other people that are part of your team. And it doesn't necessarily work that way. Perhaps you're starting with scanning and incorporating maybe even 3D printing, but you can still work with your technician that is giving you great results. There is nothing wrong about that. That's absolutely true. There's nothing wrong. But it's not like, again, it's a synergistic approach, I guess. One of the things that people always find shocking, they go, well, you know, Dr. Shah, you're fully 3D and converted and everything, so you don't have any stolen alginate in your office, right? I said, I still do. Once in a while, I still take an alginate impression and pour a plaster model. And they go, why would you do that? You have uh, all these scanners, you have all this great 3D printer. I tell them, because sometimes it's just faster. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to buy an intraoral scanner and throw away all of your stone models. There's still some cases where it makes more sense to do things the old-fashioned way. And the description that I gave people was sort of like, when the microwave first came out, and the microwave manufacturer was telling people, you can throw away your stove, you don't need your oven anymore, you can toss out the entire kitchen. All you need is this magic machine. You'll boil water for you, you'll fake pizza, you can roast you know, chicken in there. Like, can you do it? I mean, if you try really hard, you can find a way to get it done. But as we know, modern kitchen, there's always a microwave, but the stove is still there, right? The water heater is still there. Yeah. And it's, as you were saying, this oppositional uh, one or another zero-sum game actually doesn't exist. Right? We want to incorporate 3D printing. It's not about taking a 3D printer and replace every other piece of equipment in the industry. Yeah. 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 We live in a world where people, you can play soccer and you can play football. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes people are just basically very concerned about being very defensive. What I try to mean by that is let's try to keep everything in house, let's try to save every single penny instead of instead of focusing on the offense. Meaning how much can I produce if I just change my workflow? So it's not about how much I save, it's how much how, how much I can invest to make more. Which is a different approach, right? For I I'm Chinese. So in the Asian culture, there are all these folk tales about how someone who's super frugal and turn into a millionaire when they grow up, that doesn't happen. 
you become a millionaire, a billionaire by going out and seeking opportunity to accomplish it, not by, you know, eating instant noodles and potatoes for weeks. Yeah, it requires investing to evolve. Exactly. And the most curious thing is most of the people that are like cheap like that, that they don't want to invest, they have the latest iPhone, they have the latest car, like they, they just have different priorities. How often do you have patients that walk into your office, it's like a brand new iPhone 14, they go, oh, this treatment is too expensive, can you give me a discount for it? I'm looking at my iPhone 7 going, what, how about you just give me your iPhone and I'll do this crowd for you. My iPhone is six years old. Different priorities, man. Right. Different People priorities. have it backwards sometimes. I agree. Yeah, so thank you very much for your time, Dr. Christian Berry. It's, it's you great guys. to finally meet you in person. We have great conversation. I'm glad we're at least able to get some on the podcast today. And um, let's keep in touch and hopefully we'll see you again real soon. And I really enjoy Baron's time just kind of brainstorming and talking about different ideas. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I had a blast these past couple of hours and, and days, if you will. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you, man. I hope you enjoyed that as much as me. And stay tuned for our next episode with Dr. Reem Kabar of Smiles Pediatric Dentistry in Los Angeles. Here's a sneak peek. But the whole concept of 3D printing has been on my mind for quite some time. And very exciting. I think the hybrid uh, situation between dentistry, engineering, and innovation is just fabulous. You want to be on the leading edge, and sometimes you got to take a leap of faith and say, you know what, we're going to do this. I'm Bu Lee on behalf of my co-host Stephen Shao. Thanks for listening. Until next time.